we were sent out here to do a story. To do a story about what? Uh, as you can see, there's construction underway here. Uh, they've dug out a little bit. There's water has accumulated. Traffic's backed up. In the city the size of Houston, there's always traffic. So what's the big fucking deal? What the fuck are we doing out here? I ask you, what in the fuck are we doing here? I really... No, I really want to... got some bad ideas in my head. I just... Cookies need love like everything does. <laughs> and I will tell you... It's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, uh, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. <laughs> It's not a new theory. The philosopher Descartes believed it was the third eye. It's not a theory. It's a fact. Yeah, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I mean, look, we can all get into sort of feeling, you know, sorry for ourselves or having a pity party about the past or what's happened. It's just not worth it because it affects the present and it affects the future. You can't sort of play into that sort of stuff. Welcome to pop culture purgatory. What did I teach you? You are Duke of New York. You're a number one. I can't hear you. You are the Duke of New York. You're a number one. Pictures asked me to make a movie of a book called The Philadelphia Experiment. I thought it was a cool story until I started writing the script and realized it has no third act. So I came to uh, Bob Ramey on bended knee and I said, I can't do this. I don't know how to make it work. He said, You owe me a movie. And I said, Well, I have this script in my trunk since 1973 or 4 called Escape from New York. So I let him read that and he said, Sure, let's do it. John Carpenter had written uh, Escape from New York uh, when he was at USC, and he had actually written it with Clint Eastwood in mind. So uh, with the success of The Fog, um, Av Clemency asked us what we wanted to do next, and we pulled out this old script, Escape from New York, with Clint Eastwood in mind, and we brought it to them, and they loved it, and they said, yeah, they would love to do it. Um, let's do a rewrite to make it funnier, to make it hipper. And so we brought Nick Castle in to work with John. He brought all the humor. He brought the whole idea of the American Bandstand piece being the one that we switched tapes with. He brought uh, a lot of the lines. Get a new president. We fleshed out the cabbie character, the brain character, all the kind of humorous exchanges Nick and I worked on together. He brought that kind of spark to it. John really wanted Kurt Russell to be Snake Plissken. The studio wanted Tommy Lee Jones. So we went to Tommy Lee Jones first 
and he passed. And after he passed, then Kurt got to be Snake. Working with Kurt is always a dream. We worked together on Elvis for the first time, and we just, we love working with each other. We have a great time. We have very similar brains in terms of movie making. Politically and every other way, we're very separate people, but in terms of movie making, we have the same approach. In many ways, Kurt Russell is Snake Plissken as much as John Carpenter is Snake Plissken. I mean, there are two sides of Snake Plissken, and that's John and Kurt, and they're very, very connected. I know who you are. Snake Plissken. But I heard you were dead. Heard you were dead. Thought you were dead. A friend of mine from film school told me about this legendary uh, kind of punk teenager that went to his high school, uh, Snake Plissken, Larry Plissken. And uh, he says, what a great name. Just an insane name. And literally, the guy said, call me Snake. So I thought, that's a great character. I'm not a fool, Plissken. Call me Snake. When we needed to do a publicity shoot as Snake Plissken before we'd actually fully designed his his um, his his outfit and everything, we actually had him in fatigues, um, in, in army fatigues, and he looked kind of like, you know, join the army now. And he wasn't the anti-hero that we really wanted him to be. And he put these clothes on and went, not. This isn't how Snake Plissken would dress. And so a lot of who Snake Plissken is and what he looks like on film is because he was invented by Kurt and John. From the eye patch to the tight-fitting shirt and combat pants to the boots and who he was. Escape from New York wanted more money to make it. I mean, we just barely put that movie together. That, that's an ambitious experience for five million bucks. I mean, shooting at night is, is very tough. It's not very fast. You have to light everything. It's, it's, it was a tough go for us. Escape from New York was a very complex movie to shoot. First of all, a huge amount of special effects, which required building a model of Manhattan. John Wash was a, a special effects animator, and he built basically a cardboard city, a New York skyline, and painted it in green line, like a grid, and just shot it with a camera and then we re-photographed it on, on a television set. We had an enormous action shoot with lots and lots and lots of extras. We needed to find a place that was, you know, post-apocalyptic, a place that didn't exist. And so it required a great deal of production design and a lot of special effects. So it ate up that $5 million very, very quickly. Well, we had to look around for some city that looked like destroyed. It takes place in New York City, but New York was out of the question. We couldn't shoot there. We didn't have the money. It's extremely difficult to to shut down all those streets. We had to find a place that looked ruined, so we found the perfect location, and that was uh, St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis had recently had an urban fire, which uh, burnt down most of the waterfront area. And so you would have these huge blocks of, of burned-out buildings that just went on forever and ever and ever, as far as you could see, just buildings burned to the ground. And so it was really a very sort of a post-apocalyptic look that we wanted for uh, the city of Manhattan. We had a great deal with the city. They let us shut down the street lights. They let us light. They let us set fires. They let us put a crash plane. I mean, we couldn't have gotten more uh, cooperation. Every day we'd bring in the rubbish that would fill the streets and we would, you know, bring in these uh, these tall cans and we would light fires and we'd have smoke and all this kind of stuff. And every morning by 6 a.m. we had to clear the streets because this was a working community, a working city. And we got to use the famous, uh, it's been restored now, the famous Fox Theater in St. Louis. That's kind of a rock and roll theater. That's where rock and roll kind of began. Uh, Chuck Berry played there. 
So we got to use the exterior of that. It was a cool place. So we shot at night. It was extremely hot. I remember it was the hottest summer. Um, sometimes at night it was over 100 degrees, extremely humid and very buggy. I think we shot something like 56 days. And then we shot some back here in Los Angeles, and we have one shot in New York. The one shot that we shot in New York City is the opening shot of the movie, and it's a helicopter shot of the Statue of Liberty. And we come around the Statue of Liberty and come down to the doors, and the doors open up, and Tommy Atkins walks out. And um, he walks past a building, which is in black. And we take that black and we fade it with uh, the same building, same side of the building, here in Sepulveda Dam in LA. And that's the opening reveal of the base. And so uh, it's the only shot we shot in Manhattan. Associate producer on the film, Peggy Brotman, had been a casting director, and she said, you know who hasn't been seen in a long time is Lee, Lee Van Cleef, and how cool was he back in the old days, and how cool was he in the spaghetti westerns? And so I met with him, and he was cool. I mean, he is, he is Lee. John Carpenter and I consider that we have a family of not only behind-the-scenes crew that we work with all the time, like Dean Cundy and Tommy Lee Wallace, and. Tommy Causey, our sound man, but we also have an on-camera family as well, and that's Jamie Lee Curtis and Adrian Barbeau and Kurt Russell, and I think Donald Pleasance was really a another character who we loved. We always talked about uh, that, that the, the president was uh, Ronald Reagan's illegitimate child with Margaret Thatcher to kind of give an excuse for the British accent. I thought uh, the president is supposed to kind of be a, a corrupt idiot. Good evening. We just thought, here we are making fun of the presidency of the United States. Donald Pleasance has a great sense of humor. He's English. He kind of comes off as sort of a buffoon. And so we had fun with the character. Yeah, the I sent the script to Donald, and Donald would always test me. And I'd say, well, why should I make this film? Explain to me why I should do this. So I wrote this impassioned letter to him. Well, you know, I need you to play it because you will bring comedy to this role. You'll make this president something ridiculous is what I need. Mr. President. One of the things that we wanted to do on Escape from New York is uh, we had an ensemble cast that was supported Snake Plissken, these, this bunch of people that we ran into in Manhattan. And they were all, again, archetypes of the kinds of people that would be successful in a Manhattan that has become a prison and that's a dark, horrible place to live. And so, therefore, we have the role of cabbie, played by Ernest Borgnine. You're Snake Plissken, ain't you? We wanted this cabbie to sort of be the storyteller. I mean, that's what cabbie does. He connects the dots for people. He connects the people in the movie. Adrian Barbeau to play this really tough character, Maggie, and we wanted to put her in a relationship with a guy. If, I mean, if you were living in Manhattan, what do you need most of anything? You need oil and gas, you need power, you need electricity. So we wanted to create this character of Brain, played by Harry Dean Stanton, and put him together with Maggie as a couple. Then, of course, the Duke of New York, Isaac Hayes. Um, he came in, he was just, he was really, really wonderful. Again, we wanted a bigger-than-life archetypal character to be cast in an ensemble support team for St. Pliskin. It touched me, he dies. Well, I had used Frank Doubleday before as a killer in Assault on Precinct 13, and he did a great job for me. He's just this kind of man who is a gun. I mean, he's just this, this remorseless killer. 
So I offered him the role, and he kind of made it his own. Put his, he got his hair to stick up in the air, and, and uh, played it uh, uh, just insanely. He, he did a great job. That's his. That's his own characterization. One of the things that we wanted to do in the film, in terms of Snake Plissken's character, is once he's captured by these, you know, criminals in in the prison of Manhattan, they put him through different tests. They want to test his courageousness. They want to test his will to live. They want to test how strong he is. And one of the ideas was to put him in a ring in Madison Square Garden with the biggest, baddest guy we could find. And so casting him, we wanted a real wrestler. We wanted somebody who's just the image of him would make people cringe. We wanted to get to cast somebody who looked giant, you know, so we cast a giant. Ox Baker is seven something feet tall, been a pro wrestler for years. I mean, it seemed obvious. The final sequence of the movie where they're running across the bridge and trying to escape, which is really supposed to be the George Washington Bridge, uh, leading to New Jersey. And what we ended up doing was we found an abandoned bridge that was owned by the United States government. And for one dollar, we purchased it. And we were able to use this expanse of bridge uh, for our set. Adrian Barbeau's character, Maggie, was shot on the bridge, but we didn't actually see her die. And so when we edited the movie together, we realized that it was ambiguous to the audience. So we actually filmed her in her house where she lives now, getting shot in the driveway, a close-up of her lying in a pool of blood. And we inserted that shot into the original movie. Once I had it cut together, I had a little screening for some folks, some friends. <laughs> I showed them the movie, and they said they were kind of not responding to the film. And, they, and finally, at the end, I said, well, tell me what you thought, and they said, uh, you know, we weren't into, we didn't know what the movie was going to be about for so long because of that opening, because of the, uh, the opening sequence. We had a 10-minute sequence showing how Kurt Russell's character, Snake Bliskin, is arrested right before he comes to prison, showing him trying to pull off a bank robbery. So I just uh, threw away the first reel. What I love most about Escape from New York is that the film is a statement about how I feel that we must protect people's libertarian rights, that we must, we really need to be, we, need, we can't legislate right from wrong. People themselves need to find the goodness in them. And I think it makes a political statement. I have a part of my personality that loves uh, outlaws and outsiders and anti-heroes, and I truly have a problem with authority. And uh, any chance I can get to belittle authority, I love to do it. You know, I, I just can't help myself. So I think probably I made everybody corrupt in this world, every single person corrupt in this world, made it, it is an entirely a nihilistic corruption blanket of this future. I don't feel that all authority figures are bad, but authority is a human construction. And being something that's human, it's prone to corruption and mistakes. And you have to have it. You have to have order in order to, uh, to have a civilization. 
but anything that's uh, constructed by man is uh, is uh, it perhaps may not be perfect. You gonna kill me now, Snake? I'm too tired. Maybe later. We'd make one hell of a team, Snake. Pliskin. Snake Pliskin is really the only man with honor because he doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about saving your life. He doesn't care about killing you. All he cares about is moving on. I think Snake Pliskin represents the other side of America, um, the unpatriotic patriotic side of America, the kind of character that we all want to be but are afraid to be. He's a guy who doesn't want to be told what to do. He's a guy who doesn't want us to legislate laws that take away personal freedoms. And, and that's why I think he's so cool. He's an anti-hero. And I think that's what makes America love him so much. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pop Culture Purgatory. This is Jeremy. This is Michael D. Song. Chris Charles Martins. And this week, I'm talking about John Carpenter's Escape from New York, 1982. 81, I think, maybe. 81. New York, 1997. The entire city is a walled maximum security prison. The bridges are mined. <laughs> The rivers are patrolled. And the United States Police Force has everything under control. Like what I love the most about this movie is not only that it's it, it's arguably my favorite Carpenter movie. Like I always kind of 
go back and forth between a couple of them, but between this and fucking Big Trouble in China. But man, every time I rewatch this movie, I mean, Lee Van Cleef, fucking Ernest Borgnine, who will always be Ted Dinslow to me in basketball. You <laughs> 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 know, the guy's good in everything. He will Holy shit. be Mr. And fucking I Dinslow. <laughs> I mean, you know, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Harry Dean Stanton, Adrian Barbeau, and her fantastic twins. And like, it's just like, it's Tom her, Atkins, dude. her very Sigourney Tom Atkins, Absolutely. Dude, the cast is insane. Yeah, her very yeah. Sigourney Weaver look in this movie, too. Uh, <laughs> but I, you brought up basketball, which is hilarious because we've got Isaac Hayes in here from the South Park guys, right? So I'm a man, they, man. <laughs> I will say uh, Frank, hey, uh, Frank Doubleday, who plays Romero, the crazy fucking lost, uh, he's oh. like a Almost like a, a lost boy from from it's fucking like, Peter like, Pan. He's amazing. So it's Steve Buscemi's like vampire cousin. Is the yeah, I do. <laughs> totally. He looked like he was Guy's straight great. out of a prodigy video, like running around his fucking hair like that. It was great, dude. He's a fire starter. Fire starter. We also uh, there's a scene in the movie where uh, uh, Snake wanders in uh, to um, sort of a play or a, a Broadway play, and. Um, John Carpenter orange vibes there, but yeah, go ahead. John Car yeah, John Carpenter's playing um he's playing the violin in that scene. Um and also Nick Castle, who played Michael Myers um in the first Halloween in the and also in the later one, the newest one from a couple years ago. He's playing the piano in that scene. That's crazy. I had no idea. Deborah Deborah Hill, uh, who was uh John Carpenter's uh, wife at the time, and also I thought he was married to Adrian Barbeau at this time. They were, but you know, yeah, it's complicated. It's almost like a, it's not as bad uh, as a Cameron so thing, but it's kind of like a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, And ironically, James Cameron did matte paintings for this film. Sorry? Uh, James Cameron. So the, the scene where they're flying into Central Park, mm -hmm. um, all of that was simmed in San Fernando, California, and the yeah. city yeah. paintings are James Cameron's matte paintings. Yeah, it's all, it's oh. all, Cameron, he did a bunch of really cool special effects in this movie, like the opening. Yeah, it's crazy. It's pretty really rad. And Jamie Lee Curtis does the voice in the opening, which is awesome. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and also uh, the computer voice in here uh, is Deborah Hill. It's the voice of Deborah Hill. So. Oh, I I read in okay, my bad. I read in the no, trivia, um, Curtis did the opening sequence and then the first like kind of robotic. Yeah, yeah she's the narrator at the beginning, and then she's also plays a computer voice. But Deborah Hill and ah, Jamie gotcha. will play voices in here. It's like uh, she's eight, what the producer of this, right? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's always like a producer or a co-writer. But like um, like in the thing, Adrian Barbeau plays the voice when McCready's playing that, sh that chess game and he pours the fucking J&B on it. So there's oh, always, like, always like the ladies in his life that he puts as computer voices in his movies, I guess. Because <laughs> they're always uh, in his mind. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Adrian Barbeau and him got, Carpenter got married eventually, but um, uh, it's, that's... Her, it's his and Barbo's son who plays in a band with him now, with John Carpenter. So hmm. Cody Carpenter, they both right. play. In a band. Oh yeah, very All right. cool, very cool. But yeah, so uh, this is this is your... arguably one of my favorite and probably the first post-apocalyptic movie I ever saw, like ever, ever. I mm -hmm. still remember once again getting my fucking VHS copy for my uncle in his infinite collection. Apparently, like every time <laughs> we talk about an old movie, it was always his. I saw first, you know, <laughs> and I still remember <laughs> right. the. The, the badass you know, VHS uh, cover and case and everything. And yeah, man, like, I, you know, Kurt Russell is just such a fucking badass in this movie. It's just too much yeah. fun. Right. Yeah, this was it. Was was this uh, pre-1997 that you got to see this, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no now. doubt. 
no doubt. Like, I, I guarantee I probably saw this when I was like eight or nine. So that, you know, I don't know, that's 94, 95, somewhere around there. So this was happening two years from the first time you watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was already in the future. And I was like, man, this, this shit didn't pan out correctly. <laughs> or things are about to get real apocalyptic real fucking soon. <laughs> it's just like with Cameron and his D-Day days, man, you were way the fuck off. <laughs> I love that they just decided to turn New York into just like the island of New York. There's like, we're going to do I love that idea. I think it's great. great, That's that's the premise, you know, in 1997, U.S. president crashes into Manhattan, which is now a giant maximum security (laughs) prison, basically. It's like, I I, I think that's such a cool idea. The Australia, New York Island, pretty much. Like, this is our new prison. (laughs) This is is America's Australia. Fucking Manhattan. Who (laughs) knew? Yeah, what a strong! I think this is one of the this is one of the strongest openings to a movie ever. This is a great opening to this movie. The whole how it's explained um, the sort of like digital readout of like the of the island and the grids and the fifty foot walls and the, the camera pan over the walls and the helicopter going over and the guard walking across the screen. All that stuff is master class in my opinion all of this stuff's perfect it's crazy like the, the the sequences at the statue of liberty they were like the first um film crew allowed access there at night like literally undisturbed apparently there was like a bombing like or bombing threat three months prior wow and so obviously they were fucking this is so pre 9 11 it just smacks you in the fucking <laughs> oh jaw you know what i mean like yeah <laughs> they, they, they were allowed full autonomous access to Liberty Island with just maybe like a couple of people on hand who actually right. worked there. You know what I mean? Like that's just insane to me to think about now. Yeah. yeah. And, and on nine 11, I mean, the twin towers are extremely prominent throughout this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're yeah. used constantly. Yeah. Throughout the movie. yeah. I mean, even when the first scenes is a plane crashing into a building next to the twin towers, it's just like, fuck man. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's Some definitely a eerie a foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it, I think the, the the way they did it was really cool too. It's like you don't actually see the plane crash into the building. It's, like, it's in a digital form, like a grid form, which is really cool sure. too. Yeah. Like that. Well, quite like a bit. also, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that like, I mean, Christ, the real bombs in '93 are more foreshadowing than any movie was beforehand. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that dude is <laughs> definitely a fucking target. Mm-hmm. Well, even Cheney said that anyway. Then, then again, we have like uh, not to not to deter too much from the no, you're fine uh, from the movie, but from this movie, but like even like in Die Hard three, there was that bombing uh, in New York that I think the not the World Trade not the World Trade, but there's another uh, big uh, big building down there in New York which got bombed and uh, uh, like a few months later, or whatever they were they were they had that huge explosion in Die Hard three, the opening of that movie, they blow that fucking that city block up basically. Oh, yeah. No, they were they were terrified because they thought it was another bomb like that happened in 93 in the World Trade, which was only a couple right. of years prior. Which is crazy because like that 93, then Die Hard with the Vengeance comes out in 94, which is pretty yeah. crazy. And they just allowed like, fuck it, yeah, blow up a part of New York, it'll be fine, guys. <laughs> it's just, and it's so just, cool. It can't be worse. <laughs> right, right. And uh, if you guys want to go back and listen to our commentary on Die Hard 3, uh, that's an insane stunt. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, yeah, they blow up this full, fucking... Yeah. It's insane. I mean, just like they built a fucking subway system just to blow it up. <laughs> like, it's, it's fucking insane, man. Uh, Hollywood oh, money. So intense. I, I, I'm going I'm to go ahead and show my hand now so uh, I don't have to say it again uh, when we talk about this, uh, well, as we talk about this movie. But this is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. It's my top ten. For me, it's a 10 out of 10. Uh, I love this movie. Um, I love all the characters. I love the premise. I love the uh, the uh, cinematography. I love the fucking score. 
Uh, I love everything about this movie. This movie, for me, it's one of those perfect movies for me. I can watch it anytime. It's great. It has like the character of Snake Pliskin is one of the most interesting and cool fucking like the fact that the dude lands is basically a a, a flightless that a, well, a a plane with no engine a drone basically and lands it on the World, World Trade uh, Trade Center and like just kind of casually walks around trying not to and, uh, and everyone knows him in. in this populated criminal island everyone right. already knows his name that just yeah. goes to show how much of a badass he is but also <laughs> I thought you were dead snake the, the fact that he also has two fucking like capsules in both of, in, uh, either side of his neck that can explode his juggler and kill him immediately the fact that he walks around and tries to not sweat it and try to figure this shit out casually as possible and blend in as a shadow um it just makes Snake Plissken, that even cooler as a character to me. And plus, we have Cabby, we have Brain, sure. we have Maggie, you know, we have we have the we have the Duke, the a Duke? number one, the Duke of New York. <laughs> we have all, you know, we have uh, Donald, we have the President Donald, uh, Donald Pleasance, you know, we have Tom Atkins, and we have uh, we have we've Cleve, all these incredible like, yeah, actors. This, the cast in this is movie. That's awesome. And they're all. They're all they're all, they're all like their own character. None of them blend together, man. Even the even um, uh, what's his name, man? Fucking uh, Frank Double Day Romero. He's a great. He, a, you first see him like, you know, if you negotiate, he dies. You come back in, he dies. Nineteen seconds, eighteen seconds, seventeen seconds. They fucking leave, and it's like right, it's <laughs> it's amazing. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it just shows their fucking power. He's like, it's you incredible. have no power where you you sense this area. This is our own little personal hell and prison. You have mm -hmm. no fucking authority here, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Fuck I, I off. It, so and I find it really interesting. Right. Well, I, I find it interesting that, that, that this, this, uh, uh, this, which is basically a gigantic, like, what is it? Um, uh, 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 Alcatraz, basically. Uh, yeah. That is New York now. Mm -hmm. But, like, I, I love the fact that the government can't actually, like, land a helicopter in the middle of New York. They have to take an old <laughs> elevator in. Uh, in the World Trade Center, that kind of works still down, and then like well, snooker, snooper, it's like snoop around and shit, and like look at and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, right? I love, you know, they have no power over here, like you said, Mike. No, no well, power. Like, what, what gets me about all of this? It's never really explained how the fuck they hijacked. You know, the whole premise is Air Force One is hijacked, and I love the the code name David Fourteen. Like you wouldn't immediately yeah, think Camp it. David, like you know what I mean? Like oh, <laughs> he's most likely the fucking presidential plane. But like it's never really explained how they, they kind of you know take over in the cockpit. It's just like this this bitch is going on a war path up front, like and I'm all about it. But like that's never really explained how that was kind of taken over, which I kinda of like the ambiguity there, you know. But it's just like it you know, it's like from the get go, you're just like, Well, they're you know, fuck you. And I love <laughs> apparently Carpenter wrote this like 74 76 post nixon um watergate scandal is just because everyone's just obviously disenfranchised with you know fucking anything regarding the president right. and they, he couldn't find anyone to film it like he, he's like dude that's why i had to put it on the backboard like nobody wanted to do the movie at the time which i get it <laughs> you know <laughs> but man it's 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 just it, everything about this premise i think is really 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 well done and, and it was kind of the first of its kind now you see movies about this all the time you know well, I mean, the, the Italians Ford. took the shit over big time in the '80s. So I'm sorry. The Italians in the '80s loved Escape from New York and 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 the Road Warrior. They took they, they everything. If you guys want to go find like find look up Italian flicks from the 1980s that resemble either Escape from New York 
or um, uh, The Road Warrior. You're going to find a bunch of them. They got a lot well, of. This movie resembles movie. a lot of movies to me, too. A lot. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, Warriors, Clockwork, like Silver. Sure, sure, but this, but the, the the wasteland with this sort of these sort of characteristic characteristics, with all these weird fucking you know group of people trying to survive right. with the one with the one badass character. It's 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 very similar to a lot of stuff. But like, I, um, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's like you like said before, Western man. It's very almost. influential. <laughs> Do what? It's very like you said before. It's very influential. It's a super yeah. influential movie. And I mean, it's basically a Western plotline. That's why I love it so much. They just make it a badass sci-fi on top of it. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. yeah. That's why I really enjoy it. it and then I mean, big... Kurt Russell said he played the part, you know, as Clint Eastwood. Like that was kind of oh yeah. Well, he straight ass said it, huh? Get that. Do what? He straight ass said that, huh? I, he's yeah. Of course he did. Like, I mean, there's no point in lying about what's blatantly obvious. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about him in in, in, in Big yeah. Trouble, where he's playing a goofy version of fucking John Wayne. So he's playing like a straight John Wayne. Which is great, movie. which is hilarious. So, great, yeah. Uh, even though he's even though I think he's still a little different from John Wayne, he's still playing a little bit of a John Wayne. But oh, no, he makes his own character out of it. It's just like you know, it's just like well, Snake. You know, it's not he's he's not playing fucking. You know the the man from nowhere, basically, and no. You know, yeah, man with no name. Yeah. yeah, but you know he's playing a different version of that. It makes it his own. Like yeah. Sam Plissken is easily one of my favorite characters of all time. Agreed. And that's including it, the very very rough sequel. <laughs> and, and it makes it makes again sense if you guys love John Carp. If people love John Carpenter and know John Carpenter, he's a big fan of westerns. So like, I mean, Absolutely. literally, this is literally this is like for me in a lot of his movies. Huh. I said I get that vibe in a lot of his movies. Oh yeah, he's got that Western feel. No matter the setting, even vampires has a very yeah, Western totally feel vampires. To yeah, I feel. Yeah. You know, even with this, like you know, we have Snake Plissken, you know, coming into a this say again a classic Western like uh, say painted uh, what is it, uh, uh, Hang 'Em High or some shit where a mysterious stranger comes into this small town, small town being New York, and all these weird people. You know, it's people like who is this guy? You know, and then him sort of defeating some sort of hierarchy, and then everybody like screaming, "Snake, snake, snake!" And he's, he's coming here to fix things. He's not really there to fix things, but like the fa- you know that idea though. He comes to, to a small town, and everybody knows his name, or they don't know who I know and, who you are, but I'm not sure I know your name. Like, who are and, you? And then you have Lee Van Cleef as your fucking right, literally <laughs> the man from Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Like, yeah, you can't get more of a Western vibe than that. <laughs> And yeah. the guy just kills it. He's such a good. He's so it's good. such a great actor. Such a great actor. And I guess, oh yeah, uh, uh, Mike, what you're saying before about like uh, just about how Carpenter kind of plays, kind of kind of brings you into this movie and sort of this world. Uh, that's one of the, another one of the big things I love about John Carpenter is that um, he writes this script. Um, and he kind of just kind of hopes that you can kind of figure it out. The whole the terrorist thing, like, like, yeah, it's not explained, but, like, they figure it out. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. Well, I mean, there's out, nothing so. to figure out, honestly. Yeah. You know, like, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to, like, I, I, it's kind of a problem in my own mind to overthink fucking everything. In wow. The so, <laughs> like, I'm always like, okay, what you, like, what, what is this, you know? Even right, though it doesn't right. fucking matter, that's the catalyst of the film that sends you into the show, you know? Yeah, it's, it's just like, here you are, like, fucking hit the ground running, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure, but I'm still curious, where did that bitch come from? <laughs> that question will never die in my mind mm-hmm. but like it's not only mentioned like this movie has so many different aspects it also gives me like vibes of like um what was it battle for the planet of the apes like just the way it's shot with the uh, people running across getting in helicopters and shit like it's just it's got that such 70s um epic kind of battle feel to it like in so many different scenes that he, like he just knocks it out of the park man it's carpenter once again at his fucking best i agree mm-hmm. Damn right, dude. 
Yeah, what would you guys say is, I mean, I think everyone's going to pick Pliskin, but your favorite character on besides Pliskin? <laughs> uh, to be uh, honest, literally yeah. her character name, the girl in Chock Full of Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chock Full of Nuts, man. Yeah, she has great. such a brief part, and, but like she's really compelling and really great on screen, and then that poor thing just meets a very, very rough end. <laughs> like, yeah, but she's like, every yeah, time yeah. I think of this movie, don't get me wrong, of course everyone's going to think of, you know, Adrian Parbo and her assets and everyone's of course going to think of Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, but she always sticks out in my mind because she's only in there for like three minutes, but she does yeah, a right. really good job of kind of stealing the scenes. You know, you think she had a longer role in it. Yeah. And then she's I, like, I thought there was going to be a character that was going to play out longer than enough. This she just gets dragged through the fucking floors. <laughs> that's that, that masterful writing of John Crawford. Like, you know, just like, oh, like no, that. she's fucking dead. She's out. Well, yeah. He builds up that the nature of the world they're in. It makes sense. Yeah, and he builds up that dialogue at the start. That's why you really like. Yeah, there's going to be something more to this person because she's going into detail of oh, fresh. That, I mean, that's basically the first person he has like major interactions with yeah. once he gets on the island. Yeah. He's like, okay, so this is going to be like the guide, so to speak. You know what I mean? For sure. Right. She got guided into fucking hell. Poor <laughs> 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 can cannibalized man. Well, I gotta yeah, say, I think cool. I think Romero is one of my favorite. Besides Snake, he's probably my, one of my, my second favorite character. The, the the Lost Boy looking dude. He's he's an amazing character. Oh yeah, this whole he's movie. great. He's oh, awesome. He's fucking yeah. like I brushing his hair back and shit, taking his hair back like, oh yeah, all I that mean, shit. I, I, I wish he got more of his character. Like me too. Just like from that opening scene where he's the one they sent out to talk to the you know basically the ambassadors for the president like. Like that—that's a big guy to send out, you know. What right. I mean? Like they wouldn't right. just send anyone. But, I'm kind of bummed with how he died. Uh, he he gets stabbed by brain and like hisses and like falls. Like, I love that scene though. It's great. <laughs> scene. It's great, but I I do agree, man. But I feel that way about a lot of the deaths in this movie. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, shitty. <laughs> but I, mean, <laughs> I guess that's, that goes to show the nature of the world they live in, you know. That's right. the way I took it too. Prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little, little prison island where death is just, eh, whatever. And, like, rampant and literally on every other fucking doorstep. I'm surprised there's right. a fucking theater we can go to to watch literal kind of theater step. That <laughs> someone's not being stabbed on stage. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I love that the movie, gets, the movie takes its time, and I love that. Because um, there is an ex- it's, But it doesn't for feel me, slow. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's ex- it just... Carpenter sets things up so nicely in every scene. It, there is something to behold in every scene. I mean, to the fact where you, you know Snake Plissken looked into the he, he looks at the uh, uh, at the president's pod. Uh, he's pissed off or kind of like let down or whatever. I'm not sure. he's, he's upset about what's going on. Then he look he goes, picks up a fucking chair. He just sits in the chair and like just like takes up takes a break. I love that. It's a great scene. Looks good. Then he hears the manholes rattling, or the guy coming around tapping the manholes. I, I think that's because like, he knows, like he's like, "Fuck, I better sit down," because he knows he's like, "God, Jesus Christ, I got yeah. a long night ahead of me now." <laughs> <laughs> it's a, but it's a great, great scene. It just takes time Absolutely. for characters to kind of like actually live through all this stuff, and um, well, and yeah, like you know, express themselves on screen rather than just coming in for a certain purpose to live or die, you know, right? Or, or just continue the story. Oh yeah, but it's it's great. I know it's. I totally agree, man. For sure. The the um the um the snake Plissken walking the the sort of straight line thing up to the uh to you know 
basically to be booked. It's a great scene too. Like oh, him walking yeah. up and out of the helicopter, and then you know all the guards coming out of this out, out of the different rooms and whatnot. And he's walking out the hallway. It's a great fucking scene. Yeah. Looks awesome. Kind of reminds me a little bit. Like it kind of reminds me a little bit of. Um, and this is before. It's like I think it's like a year or two before. The Blues Brothers kind of reminds me of that too, though, when Jake comes down, going to like you know, the desk, and Frank Oz is giving him all his like shit, like you know, one used condom <laughs> used. Uh, <laughs> yes, all that yeah. Stuff. Uh, all that stuff. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit too, you know. Uh, but like, it's very influential though. Again, I I, I can't help but saying it, but it's super influential movie, man. This is, this is like Snake Plissken. You root for this guy, you can tell how tired. He is like I just I hate I hate people. <laughs> I don't care whether you live or die. But at the same time, he does care because at the end, when he's talking to the president, he's like, you know, a lot of you know, I just want to see how you felt about you know a lot of people that died to get you here. It's like, well, you know, I uh, the president's like, you know, I, I I really appreciate their sacrifices, but I'm on in like two and a half minutes. It's like, all right, yeah, this guy's a piece of and shit. And I think that goes to show how the movie ends, and I'll just kind of leave it there. <laughs> You know, like right. This, I can't spoil the that. ending of this movie. This movie has a great spoiler at the end. Yeah. It's a great ending for sure. Yeah, but that makes total sense to me. Like, I mean, and, and I don't know if it was necessarily. A, you know, I think I, I, you know, Snake Plissken is a bad fucking guy. Like he's not, <laughs> he's just, he, but he is our hero in this movie. You know what I mean? Like he's like the anti hero. Yeah, yeah. That we're still gonna fucking root for it, no matter what. Because everyone else around him in the film is even shittier, which is kind of hard to imagine. <laughs> you know, right? And um, I, I just, you know, I you can identify with kind of that mentality of going against the grain, and but you know, he he's a he's a bad dude. <laughs> you know, yeah, apparently not, everyone not that comes a, apparently everyone that comes across him too is just like, I thought you were dead. This yeah, is the first well, thing that they're immediately in. threatened. You just get that vibe. Yeah, and he goes into the fucking. Uh, boxing wrestling ring with I, I don't even know who this guy is this guy's massive jesus christ i love that scene too when he goes in to fight this guy apparently oh, I love it. sure. it's, it's one of my favorite scenes of, of any movie it, it's baseball together. bat fight yeah. i'm pretty sure right. mike um in toronto i think i'm pretty sure it's the same guy who fights uh indiana jones and in ready to lost ark by the plane he, indiana jones like punches him into the propeller and fucking shreds him oh pretty, really? sure, it's right same, pretty sure it's the same guy yeah yeah, no idea. Um, I I love I love that that whole sequence so much, man. It's awesome! Uh, it's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> absolutely, it's got old David and Goliath kind of feel to it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And how like, how tired Snake is all the time? Like, oh fuck, give me the trash can lid, the bad fucking. Yeah, I dude, he's like so, exhaustedly grabbing it. <laughs> some in, some funny some funny little trivia. Apparently, Big Dude had hit Kurt Russell like a couple times where he was like, you know, fucking calm down bro you know like i'm not <laughs> i'm not enjoying this and he did it again and so apparently kurt russell reminded him again and this is exactly what it says on imdb by tapping him in the groin <laughs> <laughs> to make sure he understood and the next line is yeah such and such he, he didn't do anything else after that <laughs> oh that's fucking oh, great dude. Fuck that. you, gotta, you gotta set your boundaries man <laughs> I gotta mention this. I love that. That's a great scene. You can also actually. Um, it also reminds you how fucking, how much pain you would feel if you actually like would sword fight with baseball bats. How fucking in a your fucking hands trash would, can lead. Oh man! They're literally hitting each other with trash cans. It's crazy, yeah. dude. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a great scene. But I gotta mention um, yeah. that scene where uh, where Snake. He's tracking uh, the vital signs of the president, whatever, and he goes into the theater and whatnot. 
and uh, he finds that dude getting beat up. That's George Buck Flower, man. He's like, yeah, I'm the president, man. Yeah, I'm the president. I woke up, they put this thing on me, man. I'm the president. Like that. Who's who's the who's the actor? His name is George Buck Flower. He's in almost every uh, John Carpenter movie. He's always oh, right. He's always the homeless guy. He's also, if you guys remember, uh-huh. he's also in all three of the Back to the Future movies. He's the homeless guy on the bench every time he comes. That, that Marty comes back through from the future or the past, he's always on the bench no every shit. time. Dude, imagine getting typecasted as like a homeless one-liner dude, but you're still in every fucking major movie ever. That's right? insane. Right? <laughs> in three different timelines. He's homeless throughout time, dude. And also, the one thing I have to say real fast, I love how they just couldn't refrain from giving Snake Plissken snake skins pants. <laughs> they were just like, you know, we, we got to do it. We got to do it, bro. <laughs> Apparently they, they changed it for the sequel, but which is also funny. Apparently, fucking like 17 years later, Kurt Russell could still fit in that same fucking or outfit. But Damn. him and him and what's his name? Uh, uh, him and Carpenter both were like, yeah, we'll change it for this one. <laughs> no, no, more, no more snake skin pants. <laughs> That's a very early 80s move right there, dude. It was a bit I, I get it. I get the vibe. It's my name. Yeah. It's my identity. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> The gun they gave him too is really hilarious. It's like oh, an Uzi, oh, oh. which is it's the world's a, it's most. It's a Mac Ten with oh, a Mac fucking 10. suppressor on it, but the scope is attached to the fucking suppressor. Like, yeah. and it's a hunting rifle scope on one of the world's least accurate guns of all time. I, 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 <laughs> how do you cite that in? I literally made a note of that. Like, yeah. literally, the scope is attached to a, to the suppressor on the Mac Ten. Had there been a nightmare to fucking sight in, I don't understand how it's possible. <laughs> like, every time you take up the suppressor, you got to like this. Oh, like, just crazy. But it doesn't very, use the. He it's very cool. The sights very often. It is very cool looking, and he doesn't. He doesn't use the scope very often. He just gives well, it to him. Why would you with a yeah. fucking semi-automatic? Like, <laughs> it's all about fucking you know hip spray, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pray and spray, basically. Or sometimes shooting a circle pattern in a wall and busting through that fucking wall. Which is, which is sexy because hey, that's where the accuracy <laughs> comes in, fellas. <laughs> that's where that scope came into play. Fuck yeah, I actually, dude. I actually like how much he doesn't use the gun. He just kind of carries the gun. He uses it a couple times, but he doesn't use it there very. He doesn't use it very often, which I like a lot. So. Well, he's mostly knocking the shit out of people, like just yeah, fucking running around punching yeah, people. Punching, he's like socking people in the fucking face all the time. Like this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, you cop. <laughs> That's who I am. It's like the like the whole time he's like in the ring, just like, yeah, I guess I'll just keep talking like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you keep your ass beat, fuck, you know, it, dude. And can we just can we just jump to that? I love that sequence. That fucking bat swing to the back of the head, like, oh, I it, it had been, it'd been, it'd been, it been probably a good two or three years since I saw this movie, and that whole fight well, sequence with, do what? It's been a while for me too, man. Yeah, and I I, I kind of forgot about how glorious that was. Like I was back, my buddy Will had just gotten back. He's chilling up there, and like I was like, oh oh shit! Oh I yeah, yeah. Like, oh, man. God, that fool. I jumped up. I was like, oh shit! Damn, <laughs> part. I love this part, man. It's awesome. Yeah, and then I was like, snake, snake. It's like Walking Dead. You don't get shit on the classics. <laughs> Hard to walk away from a nail bat to the cranium, dude. That's a fucking, that's a good move. <laughs> and I love that, too, because the guy, like, hangs on the ropes. It's like, okay, rigor mortis wouldn't set in for, like, six hours. That dude would have just crumped <laughs> into the fucking mat. <laughs> but, but, yeah, sure, the seven-foot-two fucking 350-pound dude, yeah, he'll just hang on that. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it is aesthetically cool, though. I get it, John. I get it, John. <laughs> Anyway, I, 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 
there's so much about this movie i love it you know mainly just nostalgia too to be honest with you man like this is like one of the first like action movies me and my brother watched and just fucking loved and had a good time doing it and it never gets old it's, it's just so many good parts yeah, and how how iconic is a character is fucking Snake Plissken? Like we're talking about this this dude, I feel like shows up in so many different spots. And even even though it's like, where the fuck, where where's the name Snake come from? Or, and you or see, his, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh yeah, and you see you see his tattoo that I assume starts at the base of his penis that goes all the way up to his chest out of a fucking cobra. And I'm like. Oh yeah, dude. That's why they call him Snake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's like at the beginning, it's like Plissken. Oh, what are you snake. doing? I'm playing with myself. I'm going <laughs> in. It's like, oh, cool, snake playing with this snake. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of tongue like tattooed match. Like, like, holy shit. <laughs> I don't love the whole. I, I love the whole uh, gigantic drone thing, wherever it is. It's really cool. It's very interesting. I love. I love all the. the, the the whole like big drone thing, the glider oh, thing, yeah, oh, the glider yeah, thing yeah, he yeah. Dry, flies, it's awesome. I love all the digital readout stuff too, all the green and black and how it kind of oh, moves the, to the awesome. city. It looks awesome. Uh, him landing and like 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 the meters until the edge of the building, and he you know puts up the flaps to kind of slow himself down. He shoots the shoots the hook and doesn't he doesn't talk to um, uh, Lee Van Cleef and all that kind of just keeps the walkie off and just like fuck it, whatever. Gets out, gets on the elevator, sparks that shit together and gets the elevator open and. Goes That's down. Do. Well, the chemistry uh, those two have is fucking great, dude. It's great, Russell yeah. And Lee Van Cleef for sure. Yeah. Uh, when I get back, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> you gonna kill me now, Snake? I'm tired. Oh yeah, at the end. Maybe I'm later. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm tired. <laughs> I I love. Yeah, I guess it's a. No, I I can really tell in this movie where uh, where John Carpenter really started watching a lot of Italian uh, flicks, horror flicks in specific. Um, Dario Gento definitely plays a big uh, factor in this thing. There's a lot of greens and reds in this movie, uh, like especially with seeing him in the in, in the um, uh, the glider. It's all green and red. You know, I know it's computerized, but like there's also scenes where like um, Snake is running down an alleyway and like the end of the alleyway is green. And, he, and uh, there's a lot of like reds and greens through the whole movie, which I really like a lot. But that's a, yeah, that's sure. a sort of a that's sort of a Dario Argento thing. Uh, a lot of like colors b- play a big big part of his movies. There's always green or red, you know. Uh, and it's always dreamlike in a way too uh, in those movies. True. But, um, but I this was t- like kind of more sci-fi. But I love that kind of uh, yeah. But he's taking his no, I love using that. it that way. It's yeah. Yeah, well, he's talked about it before. Uh, he's talked about his love of of Dario Argento, and I think that this is kind of like really when he started seeing some of that stuff, that started it's that stuff started coming to America. And he started seeing more of it, and he kind of implemented in uh, implemented that kind of that visual style into his movies, which I, I really love. Right, and like that's another thing I have to say about the music, man. Like I feel like I, I got like Halloween vibes at like the forty six kind of forty seven minute. Mark, like, I feel like you could just kind of change those notes a little bit. You get the fucking Halloween tone. And then, like, even later on, and I was telling you, Jeremy, this, like, earlier the, at the 58-minute right. mark, I got Beverly Hills Cop 2 vibes. Like, the True, doo, yeah. doo, doo. like I was like, holy shit balls. And this was, you know, these are both years before both of those movies. So, like, right. it right. just goes to show how how influential he was, like, not only as a director, but Jesus Christ. As, a as, an, as a composer. He's a he's yeah, fantastic composer. Blew me away. I mean, there's he hits like every genre in this thing, man. It's crazy. He hits like all <laughs> kinds of genres with, with the score. And some of it sounds like like out of a Tron movie sometimes. And right. Not, I agree. not in a bad way. No, 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 no. I agree yeah. with you. It's not crazy. in a bad way at all. But I love, yeah, I love, I love the score is uh, is like like 
like the Duke has his own theme, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And then they then like he kind of changes up a little bit when like uh when Snake picks up uh Maggie and Brain and they drive away and it's kind of the same, it's a similar theme, but it's kind of like uh like pumped up a little bit, like it's a little faster, a little more upbeat. And yeah. like like I love the way it plays around with it, man. But I also you know, I forget to mention we we're talking about our favorite characters besides Snake Plitzkin. Um Brain's I also, mine. Brain, yeah, Jerry uh, uh Dean Stanton's great. But I, I love Cabby, man. Ernest Cabby. Borgnine. Oh, dude, yeah. In this oh. flick, dude. Ted Denzel it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. That's how it got to start. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty awesome. Gloves, uh, sorry. The way I've he throws a Molotov. For 30 years. Same cab. 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> the way he throws a Molotov and he has a little hatch on top of his yeah, cab. It's so, so fucking great. sick, dude. You and he's calmly lighting it in the, in, the, in the cab. He's just like, yeah, these things are worth gold. Yeah, fucking tosses it. Oh, it's so good, dude. And this stuff's like gold down here. It's like gold. <laughs> it's like gold. And yeah. I still, I still like, you, know, you, got Isaac, you got Isaac Hayes as the Duke, which is, he's great. You know, he really is. Kind of personifies that whole idea. But my favorite part about the Duke is his fucking car with the chandeliers. Chandeliers? Like, yeah, <laughs> dude. What the fuck? Who drives some shit? Like, how often would you have to replace that? They're gonna get fucked up all the time. <laughs> I love, um, I love him shooting him, uh, shooting at around him at target practice with that Mac Ten silencer. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, I now I really love this idea. That idea of the bridge being laid with mines, like, and it's like, well, it was. And apparently, fucking Harry Dean fucked up on that last yeah, one. He fucked up hard oh, on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> left. Yeah, left. You dead fool. <laughs> left. Right. Sorry, buddy, but um, that's a great. I, I love that idea, and it it works out. I like the um, it, it's really it's cut really well too. When they're driving the task and get split apart, looks awesome, fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, uh, dude, but, that uh, scene where I mean, shit, the car crashing into Adrian Barbeau looks fucking fantastic. Oh, like, man, it's and just fact, so well done. Yeah, it is. Like the fact that they set up some sort of like mannequin animatronic to shoot the gun right before it hits too. Like, I was like, oh man, this is. It's just no, dude, no, no, they killed the stunt person. Come on now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that song crew is like, no, we killed stuff. I was upset. Adrian <laughs> Barbo was uh, there. The no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really appreciate their need to not. Or their 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 way of not needing to shoehorn a romantic interest in this. Well, I guess with the exception of girl and chock full of nuts, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't really she, have no, to she give him a chock full of interest in his nuts. I guess. You know? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, no problem. This poor thing. And then that poor girl just uh, ripped through the floor immediately. Literally, like, that's not even like an over exaggeration. Just goddamn. <laughs> There's no time for love. <laughs> Sorry, I've only got one eye, and that uh, that eye ain't for love. <laughs> it's it's for kids. It's like, man, one eye like, snake, still, right? One eye snake, <laughs> right? Fuck! <laughs> oh my god, the whole thing's a deep joke, guys. <laughs> I still, I, I everything I love about Snake's character, man, it's just so great. But it's like, it's still so overly ridiculous, but so awesome at the same time. That's why oh, I think I love this movie so much. Yeah, I created the character for sure. Like Duke Nukem's character, I still think his persona is based off of that. Well, which of course you guys. Go and then back. they stole a line from "They Live." Actually, <laughs> <laughs> bubblegum and kick ass. Oh, yeah, well, that, that that the thing is though that that's a um, 
that's a Roddy Piper line. He brought that to the whole thing. But Carpenter liked it. Oh, I, I love it too. But that's a Carp. That's a Roddy Piper. But like a lot of those lines, those iconic lines, are from Roddy Piper. It, it was his idea. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Carpenter was like, yeah, go with it. I love it. Go with it. Yeah. Um, the eye patch in here, that's not a John Carpenter idea. That's a that's that a Russell, Russell idea. Yeah. Russell idea. That's, a, that's his idea. So, um, I actually find Snake like really like serious in this. Like, I don't find him like over the top. Now we have L.A., which we'll talk about at some point, I'm sure, in the podcast. But like, that's when it gets ridiculous. But this one, I think it's really straightforward, and he's believable as a person who's fucking tired of working for someone who tells him to do shit all the time and I'm tired of doing it and I'd no, rather I be that. anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like it a lot. Yeah, and I, I, Did I say it again? I like it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're all on that same page, dude. Honestly, I think hey, there's not a lot to hate, man. That's why I like and I feel like I could say that about so many damn Carpenter movies. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like geeking out right now. I'm sorry. I, I we, we, we do this John Carpenter stuff, and I, I'm gonna geek out like, a, like a motherfucker talking about this shit. You That's know, the point. watching it today, I'm like, I'm geeking out the whole time, talking like doing my one liners, and I'm like, you know, every fucking thing, you know, fuck your president, fuck your war, all that shit. I'm doing, you know, Jonah's <laughs> asking me how you're doing. Hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. Fuck your war. Would you fuck your president? <laughs> they <laughs> <how> we <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know, this the movie is so it, it's so energetic, and the, one of the coolest things that he that Carpenter does that he implements in this movie is the I, idea that Snake Plissken has like twenty two hours to get all the shit figured out and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> like he goes back to the World Trade Center. All right, they cut the fucking cable. The glider's gone. No more glider. You're fucked. Okay, mm-hmm. go back down. Like I get a car. A car. This car is dead. Open the hood up. They got a fucking motherfucker in the in the car, the engine block with a crossbow pointing at me right now. And now here here's the fucking Duke. Oh shit! And, you know, um, maybe I found the pre- the president at the beginning with the with the uh, with the the wristband thing. No, it's not him. It's a homeless guy who's pretending to be the president. Yeah. You know, all the shit's happening, and he's got a certain amount of time to get the fuck out of there. And I, I'm with Mike. Um, this was the first movie I saw at the first post apocalypse apocalyptic movie that I saw that was like this where uh, besides it being post-apocalyptic there was a time limit to it too like these mm-hmm. guys gotta be this guy has to be out of here and collect all this shit to get out of right. here and prove that he can that he can still you know I'm still worth it like I, I want to live like I want to be cured of this and it's intense I mean it, it's intense fuck you know, yeah I, consider he gets down to the last two fucking seconds before the thing implodes in his fucking neck right Right, right, yeah. right. And like in all the people he encounters along the way, it's like <laughs> the brain. <laughs> fucking Harry Dean said, you dumbass. Like, <laughs> go laugh. Like, sorry. But like, you know, like, even Donald Pleasant says, like, fucking. Apparently, I was reading Donald Pleasant sure on his own kind of um, experiences of being a prisoner of war back in the day, like to kind of deal with the right, right. president being captured. Like, that's some heavy yeah. shit. God, and, you know, then you got here. Kurt Russell's like, I don't want to be the computer wearing tuny shoes anymore. But they all do a great too. job. Like, it's it's for me, it's, it's just such a great ensemble, you know. And yeah. everyone kicks ass in this movie. Every Absolutely. single one, from the good to the bad to the you know kind of dismissible, you know, Fake. like poor. Poor chock full of nuts, girl. <laughs> God bless chock full of nuts, yeah, girl. Chock man. full of dead. <laughs> I'm glad Mike brought that up. It's, it's interesting that like this is like the first like serious adult role that Kurt Russell had. 
So it was like yeah, it was yeah, really he was, cool. Oh, he, he said he campaigned so hard, he was just desperate to get away from kind of the Disney image. And fucking good call, Kurt. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit. Talk about transforming fact, your career. And the fact that he did the, the thing after this too, like it couldn't be any more different. This is like any what, like what like a year or two later, right? Not even that much. Yeah, eighty four. So it's like right it's way different. So like yeah, like. He's starring in a movie with a with, with the same director though, like so good. So he's like that's like just a direct good for him, man. Like just shows a right. direct kind of new line, uh, you know, yeah. path basically acting wise. And to I have, can't stop looking at Adrian Barbeau though. I'm rewatching it as we talk. Oh, Jesus man. Christ, good job, Barbeau, John. baby. Good job, oh, John. Barbeau. <laughs> that is a gorgeous woman, man. I gotta Drop tell you. She, like thing. I said earlier, she she reminded me a lot of looking like Sigourney Weaver at the start of this thing. I, I get that vibe, especially sure. that curly kind of Ripley. The hair? I can totally see that yeah. before she cut it. Yeah. Well, yeah. When she shoots, when she shoots at the Duke, and she's like getting off on it, I was like, "Oh she my like god, a badass, attractive as fuck, and badass." Yes. Point of the brain was her whole. You know, that was like I, I won't say like boyfriend, but that was definitely her idol, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. And his dad. Her like, squeeze. Just fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> the the maiden squeeze. The maiden squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> you got Isaac Hayes over here. Fucking, I just, I'll never get over a man driving a car with chandeliers. <laughs> like, we didn't talk about guys, that. I can dig it. <laughs> like, pay attention to the song, the Broadway song lyrics, like on the on subtitles. You guys read those? At all? Oh no, I have. Yes, yes. They're amazing. Good. I'm a stab. Oh. East and sure downtown New York or some shit. You know, it's like amazing. <laughs> I'm a drive chandeliers to your woman. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And that whole scene's good. awesome. When he like looks when like like Snake looks through like the ticket booth, no one's there. Oh, he's looking around, some dude walks out and he walks in and almost it's like silent, and then all of a sudden he walks through a doorway and it's like this weird fucking New York Broadway plays happening with a bunch <laughs> of dudes and he's just like gives a fuck. So strange. That's awesome. that's why I got I got so many like Clockwork Orange vibes from this film. Yeah, or, fall, like, or like, like Fallout like Three or some shit. It's like Fallout Three sure. or Fallout. Yeah, well, yeah, any kind of post-apocalyptic thing, but specifically the way kind of Clockwork looked in certain situations, I definitely got a huge vibe. Right, you're right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that was yeah. Well, we'll talk about. I mean, we'll, shit. Same we'll with the Warriors too, with like Walter Hill. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well, yeah, we're, yeah, we're dude. that too for sure. We'll do some Walter Hill shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, shit. Snake Plissken is the man's a man's man action hero, and you know, uh, Walter Hill was all about the man's man action. So oh yeah, no we'll, we'll definitely get to that. Well, like, I mean, that just kind of like the the scenery and the vibe. I just kind of got that right that same feeling in this and those two movies for sure. Holy shit! I, I'm in. Okay, so I'm on Wikipedia right now, uh, yeah. per, per use. <laughs> and then so Kurt Russell, the full name of his character is Bob Snake Plissken. His <laughs> fucking name was Bob. They didn't mention that anywhere in the movie. I'm almost positive of it. I didn't Bob Plissken. No wonder he went by fucking Snake, dude. Because, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like S something Plissken was his like, abbreviation name. Like, uh, Lieutenant now, S.D. Now, Bob Snake Plissken. That's the name. Of, that's the episode title. Bob Plissken. <laughs> Bob Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Plissken. It really takes the guts out of the name when you just put a Bob. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it too, because like it tells everyone the name Snake until the end. It's Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> Should be like it's Bob. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I was like, 
It's like when I was a kid and I, I was really getting like into Evil Dead and like I found out like uh, the the actual name of it's not Ash it's Ashley J Williams yeah. and I was like wow his Ashley okay well, I didn't realize that at all <laughs> I didn't think it was crazy because I actually knew two two guys growing up named Ashley but I never expected that to be you know I just thought his name was Ash <laughs> right every other about um, every other movie yeah right uh, but then uh, Sam Raimi talked about Sam Raimi's like you know I wanted a uh, a, a guy who was like uh, the final girl. I want him to be like the girl. So we called him Ashley because, like, <laughs> he acts like a girl the whole fucking time in the first movie until all the girls are dead. That's we have a final body. That's yeah, a hilarious reason. Yeah. Uh, Bob Pliskin. How about that? Bob Pliskin, guys. <laughs> about it. <laughs> you to see him in a cubicle right now, Bob. Hey, listen, uh, it's your birthday. Come up here, Bob Pliskin. Hey, get all the fucking birthday cards hey, Bob, out. Come up here, yeah. get your hey, pretty Lou Bob. Adam, Bob. <laughs> We're doing monthly birthdays now, Bob. Yeah, come listen. on. Listen. Yeah, he'll be there every fucking week, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Old Bob Pliskin. Let's let you know, Bob, uh, Mr. Bob Pliskin, uh, you know, your, your food's been in the refrigerator for the last two weeks. Now, we're about to clear that refrigerator out. You know, we can't have all the food, that old food in the refrigerator, Bob. You know, everybody's <laughs> in the cubicles, got to have the food in the fridge. So. They get to work out for you, Bob. So get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> but Bob, a Bob Pliskin dude, like very much down that line, reminds me of a guy who's like got forced to early retirement. And he's going into his closet and he opens it up, <laughs> and there's these snake pants he can't fit into anymore from thirty fucking years ago. <laughs> and an eye patch is hanging there. He still has two eyes, but he just wore it to look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically what Kurt Russell did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh, good. Bob. <laughs> it's so it's so escape from Bob York. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Too good. I'm willing to cut a deal with you, Bob. <laughs> fuck, your, <laughs> fuck the president. Fuck your war. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, but, but, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say. Let's. I was. I was almost gonna do the spoiler, but let's not do the spoiler. I think it's better left unsaid. The ending. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 this is one of those endings that's like a, a great ending, man. Just, just to be honest, I kind of forgot it. I've seen this movie fucking a hundred times, but it's been so long since I rewatched it. I was like, oh, oh. Hey, <laughs> like, hey. Definitely, yeah, I forgot it. I'm not going to forget And I got to say, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually, but I also think that, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Escape from LA at all, but I think Escape from LA has a great ending, too. That you don't yeah, see coming. There's some perfect circle. <laughs> tool. Uh, tool. Okay, tools on there. Uh, some pants hairs on there too. But we'll talk about that oh, some yeah. more. Time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like, but I think that, that movie's got a really cool ending too. But um, but yeah, man. Skip from New York. It's uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So yeah, I love it. Here, Check it out. Dave, dude, it's definitely top. I would say probably uh, top three favorite action flicks of all time. I would put this directly into action flick territory. Yeah, sure. It's, it's yeah. got like an action thriller. I, I really kind of like that, but yeah. damn sure. It's submerged in atmosphere. It's it's crazy. Like the atmosphere is incredible. Like whatever. Oh, oh, the That's sets right. were fucking rebuilt and repainted and used for fucking Blade Runner. I just I, that was the last note I wrote. Wow. <laughs> the the miniature wow. the miniature city sets were repainted and used for Blade Runner in eighty two. Holy, I didn't know. Yeah, there's a scene in there where they're trying to land a helicopter, and, and they're like, "Yeah, this is Central Park, but it looks like a field out in Texas because there's that's nothing." What I'm so, so that, that was filmed in San Fernando, California, and the the buildings behind were actually a matte painting by James Cameron. Yeah. Oh shit, dude! 
It's a lot of yeah, things. crazy shit. But it looks fantastic, though. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying, trying. Uh, Why well, I saw it, see, no, like, this is definitely not awesome. yours. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, definitely not New York. Yeah. <laughs> this looks somewhere else for totally. Not. All right, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. So, no doubt. I mean, because you know, uh, Cameron worked with uh, Roger Corman a lot back. That's how I kind of have how he became a director. He worked with Roger Corman. Got he did, uh, you know, uh, uh, I forget I forget what other movies he did that he was a production designer on. Uh, but um, he eventually came up with like Piranha Two, The Spawning. Uh, Lance Hendrickson, which is actually a really good movie. If you guys want to watch the uh, Piranha Two: The Spawning? That's it, the very first James Cameron movie. Direct. He did it. He, he did it before right. Terminator One. Uh, but um, that's a really cool movie. That's how he found Lance Hendrickson. But um, he did a lot of art stuff. And um, if you, it's a movie. I can't remember what it's called. Forbidden Planet or Forbidden World? I forget what the movie's called. Uh, but he he was a set designer on this movie. And if you watch it, you can see a lot of the same sort of set design in Aliens. When he directed Aliens, uh, the, the sort of like corridors and the way stuff set up like that, you can see a lot of sort of these sort of the same art aspect of the same thing. But um, cool. yeah, but James Cameron was uh, basically he grew up in the uh, B movie world uh, with Roger Corman and uh, became a somehow became an A A plus director uh, in an A plus world. So yeah, it's it's cool to see the backgrounds of people, you know. Uh, Absolutely. So. Yeah. I mean, Christ, you got. Adam Jones from Tool fucking doing special effects for T1 and T2. Right. <laughs> and Adam Jones doing a lot of special effects back today, which is really cool. I, I don't think he, I don't think he gets enough credit for it because he's a great special effects artist. So, and just yeah. artists in general, no doubt. I mean, yeah. you know, physical art. It's not only a musical art. Right. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good artist. We'll just leave it yeah, he's great artist. Great artist. <laughs> for sure. Right. Well, yeah. anything else to say about the Escape from New York? Uh, for uh, me, like I, I fucking man. I forgot how much I love this movie, and I forgot how much I love Steve Buscemi's cracked out character. At the <laughs> LA? Like, in LA? Yeah. He, in LA. He, just made, he made the whole fucking movie for me. It's like, I need more of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's, it's just been so long, and I'm glad we got to touch on it because it's, you know, it just kind of brought me back to a fun place, like reminding me of that old nostalgia watching these crazy fucking movies as a kid, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, me too, man. It's probably been a good 20 years since I last saw this movie, even though I loved it, and I fucking loved it, and I don't know why I never rewatched it. Uh, I just I didn't know where the availability was. I never had it on DVD. But, dude, rewatching this was a fucking gem. I love this movie yeah. so much, dude. Bob Pliskin just fucking beating ass and just shooting Bob down. Pliskin, fucking beauty. Yeah, man, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we did this one today. Yeah, I'm too, man. It's it's fantastic. It's a it's a great flick. Um, just it's it's just so deep and heavy. It's so deep in all the atmosphere, man, and, and great great characters, and it's a great interesting world. And I'm so glad we have this flick, man. I just I can watch it anytime. It's it's all I, I can actually turn the volume off and listen, see the subtitles, and you can put you can put music onto it, but like you know, put some, some, like some metal to it or some shit like that. <laughs> you can watch the movie. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's, 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 it's a lot of, I did a lot of sort of experiments. Animals with is the fucking soundtrack. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will say, uh, you know, before we're done with here, done with this, uh, Mike, you, you mentioned Steve Buscemi in LA. Um, also Bruce Campbell's in Escape from LA too. Oh yes. As crazy, that. as crazy surgeon character. So, yeah, He's can we talk great. about that star-studded cast yet again? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Pam Greer's in that movie. Um, Cece Keach is in that movie. It's, it's got it's a, again a big star, uh, star-studded cast, man. Yeah, 
no silence magnum bolted in bolted into the, the silencer but he's got two big ass <laughs> magnum revolvers with scopes on them this time and uh equally badass yeah <laughs> just as badass I love how like surfs in that second one. Oh, like, that fucking scene! Fucking in LA. <laughs> ah, that fucking scene! I forgot about that. And, oh, the surfing scene? Is yeah, the yeah. surfing scene yeah, in LA. Yeah, that's a hard one for a lot of people, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've come to like it a lot. It's just goofy and fun, but right. I think actually the beginning of that movie is a lot worse than that scene. But we'll talk about it. Uh, it's it's really bad, but it's it's so much fun. It's just one it's of those, of, you know, like, I fun. love it. It's Carpenter, man. It's like, it's like Ghost of Mars. I'll still watch with a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. It's awful. I, it's an awful movie, but I still love watching it, so I don't know. Uh, but, um, all right, well, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Um, please, if you have, like, HBO Max or if you have the money to rent it on the uh, – rent it at, from some source or whatever, I own it, uh, but um, – you guys can watch Escape from New York if you get a chance to. Please do. It's it's a it's a it's a classic, man. I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> check it out. Agree more, man. Like it's one of my favorites of all time. It was old fun. It just gems. Right. Like it's one of those ones. I don't know how you can't watch at least at some point. Yeah. <laughs> extremely, extreme rewatchability. Extreme rewatchability. And, and 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 the fact that it's it's uh, besides it just being awesome, um, to see a dude who can write and direct. A movie, but also score, a really great score. Oh, yeah. That's John Carpenter. So, yeah. Yeah, he did it for so many of his films. Just yes. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I, I'll always say that about John Carpenter, a guy who can write and direct and also score it and do a great job at all those things. Like, yeah, like like listen, you have talent. Like, you, <laughs> watch watch some help. Like, watch these movies. Maybe they'll give you some inspiration to you because, you know, John Carpenter is the only guy I know that says. John Carpenter's whatever movie. No one yeah. else does that. Always John Carpenter's. So do your own thing, man. Whatever. Yeah, but... man. Man knows he's got a style and a name to speak for. It. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. He's proven. But you call it, he, he calls it his, and he's proud of it. He he put his name on. That's it. That's exactly we, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So do that thing. Do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> do that. Yeah. Do that thing. Do your old thing, baby. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Uh, I love you guys, and please don't be a piece of shit. And we'll talk be to you nice. guys next time. Yeah, be <laughs> nice. Be nice. I'm sorry. Be nice. Or snake pussy's gonna come and fucking you know uh, whisper to you at the middle of the night. Fuck you, up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your sleep. He'll smoke. He'll smoke at you the whole time. But yeah. Like a guy bitch, man. You got two eyes. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's got that dead eye near like Captain Ron or some shit. We looked it up. Dude, which dead. is I love that reference in Captain Ron. Fantastic, but yes. <laughs> we'll talk about Captain Ron later too. Captain Ron. That's gonna be. Yeah. All right, you guys take it easy. Don't be a piece of shit. Be like Captain Ron. Have fun. Get some brave. Get some uh, some some. Piss get off a, get Martin short. <laughs> <laughs> have a good fucking day. Yeah, man. Have fun, man. Just have fun. Be good. Come on. Talk to you guys later. Bye. You gonna kill me now, Snake? I'm too tired. Maybe. I've got another deal for you. I want you to think it over while you're resting. I want to give you a job. 
We'd make one hell of a team, Snake. The name's Pliskin. Thank you.